You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, this is Vincent Daniel Wyland. Welcome to my dad's podcast. He talks about guitar st- stuff sometimes. Today he's talking to Jessica Dobson. She plays in a band called Deep Sea Diver, and she's really cool. If you would like more of this conversation and you would like to help buy my groceries, you can go support the podcast. Over on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash tone mob. That would really help me out a lot. Okay, on to the conversation with Jessica. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff, occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have, after many requests uh, from you guys, Jessica Dobson from Deep Sea Diver. How's it going? Hello, hello. So good. I'm on the Tone Mob. Thank you for your requests of having me on here. I'm very glad to be here. Yeah, and... I shouldn't have had to like get requests because this is what I was just talking about before we started recording. The first time I heard about you and your music was through our mutual friend, Chris Benson, many, many years ago when he was building amps and doing repairs out of Old Town in Portland. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So he was doing uh, some tweaking on this old Fender 75 head I have. And I was like, what's that up there? And it was a monarch. And uh, he's like, oh, that's my amp that I make. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. And we got to nerd out. Not too long after that, we kind of became buddies. And he was like, oh, do you know Jessica? And I was like, I don't. He's like, oh, yeah, she's been using monarchs in a bunch of her projects. And I was like, oh, cool. And that's when I started listening to your music. Yes. Um, and that was a long time ago. And, and for me, multiple Bensons ago. <laughs> and yeah, right. Here we are. <laughs> That's so crazy. Like, I think the the version that I, I still have it actually at my house. Um, the Monarch, it was like the second or third, not prototype. It was based on the first prototype, but like, I guess the second or third one he actually made. And he sent me off when I was playing in the shins with it. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Um and I had like, you know, 112 cabinet. And I think he sent me off with a spring reverb too. Um, and I just would get so many questions like, what is that? Because nothing still to this day, nothing looks like the original ones that had the kind of ticking um, fabric. Yep. And they were so unique and it sounded amazing. And I'm just, I, I don't know. I just feel really lucky to 
have been friends with him already. And just like, we just have this very natural relationship um, musically where like, I just really love what he does and he loves what I do. And I'm able to get amps that are just like exactly what I'm hearing in my head. Yeah. That's the thing about him. People often be like, what is it based on? And I told the listeners in the Facebook group that this was going to happen. So everybody, everybody already knew it was like, we're going to be talking about Benson a lot on this. Yeah. So, you know, prepare for that. Uh, but yeah, it, they just, they don't sound like other things. They sound exactly like what I want. And as much as I gas over like everything else, I don't really, I don't really like super, super desire a ton of other amps. I want some like high gain stuff because, sure. you know, that's fun. But those really just, I, I play the Vincent every day. Mm-hmm. Like I have Vincent number one here and it, it was, I mean, obviously I'm the listeners know this, but it's named after my kid. So I have a, obviously a heavy bias, but it's my favorite amp. Yeah. It's like, it does everything that I need. Totally. That's the one that has the mini in it, right? Where you can yep. switch the panels. Yeah. That I took it out on the last second to last tour we did before everything shut down. I took out the Vincent. I loved it. But normally I'm playing a Camara that's modded mm-hmm. to half the wattage. But I, I like hearing it's basically a monarch with two twelves. Right. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, that's uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, the the Vinny and the Vincent. The Vinny I is I, I called Chris when my son was born and I was like, I need a toy amp that looks like my, like my amp. Can you make one? He's like, well, if I'm going to do it, you know, it's going <laughs> to, yeah. it's not going to be a toy, you know? Well, and that's then, the thing but- with him is like, he, if you give him an, like he, he was probably already thinking of something like that because every time I go down to his shop, there's something new he's working on, which I really respect about him. And just like, he's one of the hardest working people I know, but he doesn't sit on his hands and just like always has a new concept or idea. And so I'm, I bet you, that's probably why it came to be so quickly, you know, with the Vinny. Yeah. That's so sweet. Yeah, it, it worked out good. And then, like, I was I was like, Chris, have you ever ran the Vinny into a Monarch? Because it sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and I was like, why don't you put those together in an amp? And then, then, you know, it became what it is now. So Totally. You know, this episode is actually not brought to you by Benson, uh, even though other <laughs> Sorry, Benson have been in the past. So <laughs> we should yeah. just start talking crap on him now, just to prove a point that well, it's not, this is so, not about you, Chris. He's so hairy, you know, I he, have right now. He gave, he gifted me. I don't think he could give these away quick enough. Um, like a mouse pad. It, his face <laughs> is printed on it with like, a, he's smoking a cigar. His hair looks super wiry and wild. And it's just exactly what you'd want to put your mouse on. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to hit him up. Yeah, I just spilled coffee on his nose. <laughs> <laughs> so looks like you have a big old brown stain on your nose, Benson. Yeah, there you go, Chris. That's what you get when you give people your face. They're bound yeah. to put stuff on it. <laughs> but let's talk about you. You have you've done a lot of things, just to put it lightly. So what's your what's your story? When did you start playing guitar? And, you know, you've worked with so many people and then you've got your own band and let's talk about all that stuff so what was a what was the starting point well my musical background is I was lucky enough to have a great family who loved playing music and singing and was in choir and they 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 noticed that I was musical from a very 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 young age and so 
I was put in piano lessons when I was five or six, started writing music at a really young age, um, whether it was copying the really beginner's waltzes that I was learning or like wanting to embody these different composers that I was learning songs of. And and then my aunt, my dad had a 12-string Takamini hanging around. And I picked it up because um, I grew up in, you know, going to youth group at church, like a lot of kids have done. And that's where they learn how to play musical instruments because you want to be in like the <laughs> the band or whatever. And right. so I remember bringing this like big old, I have very small hands. And, and so it's hard for me to learn like bar chords on this thing, but I would bring it, bring it to youth group and, and just learn, you know, basic church songs with it. And then my aunt bought me a Yamaha Pacifica from Guitar Center. I remember, I very much remember this for my birthday. I think it was my 11th birthday. And um, with a little like solid state fender amp that had like a push button for gain. And like after that, it was just, it was like my world shifted immediately. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm a guitar player now. And I just played every day, all day, get yelled at for not going to bed. I'd play it underneath my covers so people wouldn't hear me. My parents wouldn't hear it, you know, just like, um, and just was absorbed in learning how to play guitar. And I loved playing, you know, before I had the electric, but like there's something that came alive in me. And so that was around, you know, pre-junior high, junior high age, and then started playing out uh, at coffee houses in high school, kind of singer songwriter stuff. I was really influenced by Elliot Smith. And, um, and then, gosh, that's when I met, like right out of high school is when I met Richard Swift and Eli Thompson and this crew of people in Fullerton, Orange County, who like became my crew and I was so inspired by and started making recording songs with them. Um, so I don't know how much of the details you want of my recording experience. I did get a record deal when I was really young with Atlantic and that ended up being a very strange, unfortunate situation, but learned a lot. And out of that, because I was a little bit disillusioned, well, that's an understatement. I was very disillusioned with the music business around like 22, 23. Mm -hmm. I started playing for other people kind of on accident, really. Like I never, ever set out to be a session musician or playing I didn't think I would be able to play in someone like like Beck's band which I ended up getting the gig for and it was just because I knew the musical director and asked him if I could audition because he was asking me if I knew anybody that would be a good fit and I was like well it'd be maybe. fun to audition yeah maybe I do you know but I really didn't think I, I was like okay this will just be fun to play with a bunch of studio guys but like I I won't get it and um, anyways, I got it. And that just kind of set off this trajectory of once I got that, it was such a high profile band, you know, going from being like my tiny little indie rock world to that naturally other people, the music community is pretty small when you break it down, Definitely. especially in LA. And like, so I think from that, um, the Yeah Yeah Yeahs needed a bass player for a hot second when theirs was on um, maternity leave. And I was recommended for that. And then the Shins gig came along really organically. Um, so I played lead guitar with James and it kind of came full circle. Richard Swift was in that band. And my friend Yuki, who played on my first Atl second Atlantic record, was playing bass in that band. And then I met Scott Mc sorry, Scott McPherson played with Beck. Joe Plummer was in the Shins, and it was just such a fun 
band to be in and of course James um and yeah just like random things along the way I became friends with Brit from Spoon and played in a couple of his side projects Divine Fits um whenever they'd come through town Spoon sometimes he would ask me to just come and play baritone guitar just do random things and it was a lot of fun and kind of the last like major touring thing I did was 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 the shins and then I decided I was like I need to focus on my own project deep sea diver so that's the long story short <laughs> and that's funny because that's where like that's where I picked up basically mm-hmm. it's like oh this is great this is so cool and I really was and I think a lot of people this is probably why you've been requested so many times you really do a great job at getting really good sounds. Like, thank you. Very. I'm like, oh man, that's this is my kind of tone. You know, it mm. just sounds. It's it's you know you you put all the fuzz in the right places, and it just makes me warm and fuzzy inside. So <laughs> it's great. Thank you. Um, so do you have like a a process that you go through when you're like putting together a rig? Or do you just kind of plug in stuff and see what happens? Uh, yeah, the latter, for sure. Like, I'm not a set it, forget it kind of person. I obviously have, like, go-to pedals that have spoken to me for a long time over the years, which I love. Like, you know, my memory man's always on my board. Um, My dual tone, uh, Pleasure Tram 5000. It's a tremolo pedal. Things like that. But I... I I don't know. I think I'm constantly searching for new textures mm-hmm. and, and I'm very inspired. Like I'm very, I don't have one set way of how I write music, but I allow sounds to direct a lot of where songs go. If I'm starting it on electric guitar or if I have a, a small agreement or idea, then I'll like just record it really quick on logic, loop it and start messing around with sounds. But I think, I I think from the beginning I, I don't know if some people of your listeners have heard, like, I don't consider myself to be a gearhead or like, I don't, <clears throat> excuse me, geek out on like a lot of gear forums or, <clears throat> sorry, I had something in my throat. Um, I don't geek out on a lot of gear forums or try to follow what, like, what what's hip now. I don't care. I don't care if it's vintage. I don't care if it's new. It's just, I'm just trying to go out talk to musicians that I love, see what's on their board and have it be like a more organic way of coming up with sounds and studying like my favorite records. How did they do that? And just being inspired and constantly learning new things. What are some of your favorite records? So some of my favorite records are, gosh, I'm like, I would say for Sonics, which actually this doesn't include a lot of guitar on these records. It does, but it's more like single note clunky stuff, like a lot of air records. Mm-hmm. I just think they're so beautifully engineered and there's something about so many French bands that just, I don't know, they get away with so much and they're so free with their sounds and they do synths so well. So like Talkie Walkie is one of my all-time favorite records. Um, Beck's Sea Change. I- I'm bringing up a lot of stuff where the Sonics are my f- favorite i'm trying to think of records that sound like crap that i love um because <laughs> you know i'm not like a it's all about the vibe right like, and that, that that's what i'm talking about when i say like 
I'm not a gear nerd or a purist or trying to copy all the trends. It's just like, is the vibe there? And is it driving you to create something new? So records that don't sound that great, Nick Cave records, a lot of those like late 80s, early 90s are pretty shrill. But mm-hmm. um, he has a covers record that is one of my all-time favorites called Kicking Against the Pricks. Yes. It's so good. I'm very familiar. That's good stuff. Yes. And um, Let Love In sounds harsh, but the songs are so good. A lot of the Cure records don't sound great. I feel like I'm uh, a lot of these 80s, yeah, early 90s ones. They're not necessarily my sonic favorites, but um, they have a, they, there definitely was a trend in that time period to, I guess you kind of hit the nail on the head, a shrill or more high end focused sound and that doesn't necessarily totally jive with my ears necessarily totally totally and yeah a lot of those digital reverbs and things like that which can be really cool tools but sometimes overused definitely um bowie scary monsters hugely influential on my guitar playing robert fripp most of the stuff he did with bowie um Sky Blue Sky, Wilco's record, uh, Ghost is Born 2 is phenomenal. I don't know. I, I mean, it, I could honestly, I could list off records for an hour, but <laughs> all, all day long. Stop there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, that's the beautiful thing about music, you know, and it's it's something I look back and like I've talked about this on the show. I don't know how many times, but I look back at like teenage Blake's attitude towards music and it it was like wow i was so dumb i thought you were supposed to be like more open-minded and and whatever when you're younger and kind of get more closed off as you get older but i've done the opposite Mm. i was like if it isn't aggressive and loud then i'm not listening to it Mm -hmm. and it's dumb and it's for posers and blah 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 and i'm like wow you were such an idiot (laughs) (laughs) you were so stupid at least least you recognize that now (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, it, I mean, it didn't last all that long, but I, I just think, and I didn't, wasn't like, I don't think I was a total jerk about it, but I just remember thinking a lot of these things, and I was like, why, why would you? Yeah, this? it's easy to like get caught in, caught up in one scene or one style of music, and I don't know, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for like referencing a record now, but I, I know I have examples of just like, if listening to interviews of people, like whether it's Bowie or Tom York or whatever, like. You listen to the records they make and then they talk about what they were listening to at the time. And you're like, oh, this sounds nothing like what you would think maybe Radiohead would listen to. Or like you can't necessarily hear that influence, but you know it shaped it. And and so it's like, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I tr- yeah, it's so amazing to like go down rabbit trails of different genres of music that aren't necessarily your go-tos are your favorites but just like to keep branching out i think peter my partner peter who plays drums and deep sea diver he's reading that miles davis biography right now Mm -hmm. and just like how he got into like modalism and all kinds of stuff that people weren't doing at that time in jazz and he was studying classical like modal movements and whatever um and it completely influenced how he was a trailblazer you know for the next decade or whatever in jazz music and you just can never i don't know be closed off if you want to keep exploring. Well, yeah, I've been working on an EP this year. I have like a a text chat with a bunch of the listeners and I told them like, I'm going to do one. 
I'm gonna, I'm finally gonna do one. I'm not just gonna like make pedal demos forever or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I challenged myself to get it done by February 28th. And I kept making these songs that are just, I, I would come, I would take them and show my wife and she would be like, she, she was like, this is really cool, but it doesn't sound anything like anything that you or I usually listen to. And I'm like, I know that's why I'm struggling with it. I was like, not liking that about it. It's not something that I feel like I would necessarily turn on, you know, at least not off the top of my head. Sure. And so, but she was just like, well, maybe that's just what you do. Like, stop trying to fight it and just, just do it and see where it goes. Cause it's, she's like, it's cool. It's yeah. just not like, you know, Americana or metal or whatever else I normally right. listen to. <laughs> well, so. and then, I mean, it takes time to find, to be able to like find your voice when you're like trying to let other influences in without sounding like you're copying. Cause like I, I copy all the time so that I can find a new voice. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you're just in that middle period where you're almost pushing through, you know, to yeah. have it sound like something that's familiar, but totally new. It feels good. And I don't know that it's like necessarily groundbreaking or anything. It's just like I, I listen to it, listen back to it. And I'm like, I did that. That's mm-hmm. weird. But I mean, I guess it. I guess maybe she's right. That's what I do. And I stopped fighting it and it made the process a lot more enjoyable and oh totally just so much easier i like i'm almost done now and i was thinking i'm not going to be able to make that deadline right so oh well good thing you put a deadline in place because that's uh that's our best friend it's the only way yeah it's the only way i I get anything done i realize totally totally don't make a public statement then i'm not Mm. going to do it i'll just noodle in my shed for years which is what i've done yes yeah, no, I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, you know, the latest example we had of a deadline was when we were doing live streams when um, the pandemic first hit. Mm-hmm. And we started this thing called Stay Home Stems, where yep. we would uh, record a drum track or like just one track of something and then release it. And we would give our listeners or our fans a week to write a song with it and they could do whatever they wanted. But they only had that week. And I love Deadlines. And then that's where the song Stop Pretending came from that we released in um, the spring of 2020. Oh, that song's so good. Thank you. I was just listening to it. That's crazy because, uh, and I'm sitting in my home studio right now. I have a humble setup, um, but enough to make things sound pretty sweet for what it is. And we basically just like looped Peter's drums and then released that. And that loop never changed. Like when I wrote on top of it for the song Stop Pretending. I was thinking about re-recording the drums and being precious about it and blah, blah, blah. But there was just no time for it. So I just kept the loop. And it's hilarious because it's not perfect playing. Like some of it drags a little bit, but it, that's the vibe. It's kind of sweet. So yeah, I didn't have time to to correct or be precious about things. And it was just like, all right, I have, I'm going to stick to the same deadline I gave everybody else. That's unfair if I don't. And then I, we released the song, which is something I would never imagine doing. We, you know, it's like you hold on to stuff so much. And we had a record in the can, but we hadn't announced it yet. And it was like, do I really want to release something on Spotify? Is this the first thing, this home recording? Like, when we haven't released something since 2016. And uh, I mean, we released a couple covers, but that was it. And it was just like, who cares? Just go for it. And it's awesome. Well, I mean... <sighs> Honestly, part of the inspiration, because I don't have like the greatest recording setup. I have a lot of 
awesome guitar gear, but my recording setups setups pretty minimal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was like, I was like, well, you know, not that I'm trying to do this necessarily, but Billie Eilish made one of the number one records in the whole world yeah. in, in the bedroom. Yeah. So why can't I make, you know, the number one billionth record in the world <laughs> in my bedroom? I think that's fine. That's acceptable. Totally. And sometimes I get jealous of like, I don't know anything about Ableton. And, mm-hmm. there, you know, it's, a, I wouldn't say, well, I would say it's a lot harder to get organic sounds with a minimal setup, like drums, bass, guitar, these amplified, you know, just like where the room makes a difference. Yeah. Versus when you're in the box and like, you know, whatever. And then not to downplay what, is it Phineas, her brother? Like, yeah. but sometimes I get jealous. I'm like, oh, I wish I made music like that where I can, didn't really matter that I didn't have a bigger room sound or whatever. And, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not really a good programmer and with drum machines and all that stuff. I, I should get better at it, but. Yeah, I've got a new laptop coming. I want to get, I want to hone those skills a little bit, but yeah, I'm not very good at it either. That's why I'm, this is largely turned a totally into different a world. It's it's not something I'm familiar with at all. It's like a, sequencing and MIDI, all that stuff. Like I know the basics and that's about it. Yeah, but, right there with you. Yeah. But like you said, we, that's another thing to learn. We'll figure mm-hmm. it out. We'll get there. Someday, 65. I'm putting that deadline on myself. <laughs> 65, get me into sequencing. Give me Ableton 1000. It'll probably be that that program by then yeah exactly i I, i've never messed with ableton i know very little about it but you know i guess that's maybe not what we do that's okay totally oh i'm fine with it that i um i suck at it (laughs) you mentioned uh the drums on on that song like moving back and forth a little bit and i actually and i know the the, some of the listeners are gonna be really mad at me but i hate playing to a click Uh uh-huh and it's not just because I'm sloppy. That is part of it. I am sloppy. But I I feel like it takes something away from it. I much prefer playing to a, a live drummer who does kind of waver a little bit. I like that. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's an excuse. But I've, no, I've always hated click tracks. I, clicks are very limiting, depending on what you're recording. Uh, we always go in the studio very loosely with like, uh just not expecting to record to a click but also knowing when to add that in because sometimes it is your friend and for songs like lights out uh you know we recorded most of it to a click and i think we dropped the click actually i think it was eyes are red most of it was to a click and then the the, kind of lcd sound system like four minute jam at the end i think we took the click off okay and so it's malleable and you know, with, yeah, but totally. I'm not like here or there about like when you should and shouldn't, but I, I love when it's not. I mean, I was just listening to like Fiona Apple's new record. I can't imagine that most of it was recorded to a click. It's so fluid and it would not sound the same. I think if everyone wasn't, you know, recording to the grid, I don't even know how you would write some of that music if you were just demoing to a click. And so, it's just another tool or another hindrance, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, some of my favorite artists, are, I know that they play to a click live. And so it's like, I'm not 
I can't. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying for me, it hurts my heart. Totally. Oh, you can absolutely (laughs) take the life out of something. That's like my issue with a lot of bands that are locked to Ableton with their light show and with their um, their music and sequencing and sampling, like where everything is, you know, basically pre-programmed. And it's just like, ah, man, you're just totally canceling out the element of surprise when you do that. And there's a feel thing that yeah, it just becomes locked, loaded. Here we go. Here's the show. But like, I don't know. Some of my favorite bands, like they, like Deerhoof, they would never play to a click. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. Greg is one of the wildest drummers. And like, it would just be a completely different band if they did. Well, it's kind of fun, like going to see a band multiple times and it's like, oh, they're playing it a little bit faster tonight than is on the record it's like oh totally it feels more punk yep yep it's like it's like i don't know just it totally changes i mean oh man i don't want to talk about live too much i'm getting i'm getting antsy i know i know i know (laughs) sometimes it like seems like it never existed it feels like that far away i'm trying to have some patience it's you know like realistically it's not really been that long i have to keep telling myself that it's like it's not like it's been like five years or ten years right it's been almost a year yeah it's like i i've i've waited for other things for longer than this i can i can get sure i think it's the fact that though there's no end date still in sight so that's probably what's making it feel a lot longer that's true we 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 have no idea i mean there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel now but sure it's still like That's depressing. Who wants to talk about that? Not me. We have to change the subject. We need to talk about, you know, guitars because we talked about your pedals a little bit, but I see you with the Jazzmaster a lot. What uh, what oh, else yeah. do you got? Uh, currently, Starcaster. It's a new one, but I swapped it out with Lawler Wide Range Humbuckers, and it sounds to me when I side by sided it with a vintage one so close which is amazing because I can't afford a vintage one. Um, Let's see. I have a 1964 pre-CBS Olympic white with the matching headstock Fender Jaguar. Mm. That was my first vintage guitar that I bought. I have um, Fender just sent me an Acoustasonic Jazzmaster, which rules. Um, I, I like had never played a hybrid guitar like that. And I wasn't sure, you know, what it would sound like, but it's actually pretty sweet. And uh, you can like get like some rad like natural overdrive out of it. Like it actually there's a setting like uh, when you switch it to like blend the acoustic pickup with the I think that's what's going on. Blending the acoustic pickup with the electronic like uh, it actually sounded like some deer hoof tones. It was pretty cool without any pedals plugged in. So that was sweet. Nice. Um, What else do I have? Uh I, I'm sad that I sold my silver, I think it was a silver tone Jupiter. Oh. The one I had in the shins, but I might try to buy it back because I know the person that has it. <laughs> Bro, you playing out still? I don't <laughs> really need that thing, do you? Come on. Remember how I gave you a deal on it? Give yeah, it I gave you a really good deal. Let's, let's just let, come on, return the favor. Come on. <laughs> come on. I have a built uh, guitar that I just got. Uh, I used it on the last tour that we did and it's awesome. It's kind of like a 
hybrid. I was trying to take out my Starcaster less and less because the Starcasters are really heavy. And I started like just my back just started hurting. And uh, I think they're like nine pounds. And I don't know. You see like Jack White with these like crazy straps like that like take pressure off of your back. But they look kind of dorky. You know the straps <laughs> I'm talking about? Yes, I do. And, like I don't really want to use those yet. So can I make a hybrid one? And I basically uh, took a model they had. Actually, looks like a Starcaster um, headstock. But like, and then I put these El Rayo Lawler pickups in it that had a single coil chime sound to them, but they're actually humbuckers. And so I kind of hybrided my Jazzmaster and the Starcaster. Very cool. Yeah. Very very cool. Yeah. yeah the Acoustasonics were. I played the Telecaster when it first came out and I was oh, yeah. honestly like I, I I went in with a bad attitude about it. I was like, this is not going to be cool. Mm-hmm. And I played it and I was like, this is cool. <laughs> like, this yeah. Totally well, at first, my mind. No, you might think like, is this going to be like an ovation? That's is exactly that what, what I sound thinking. like. Yeah. And it doesn't, um, you know, it's like, it doesn't sound like just an acoustic or just an electric. It sounds like what they're trying to go for, which is blending them. And they're, it's a tool in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it, I was really curious to play one through my crazy rig one of these days. I was just playing it at Nam, but mm-hmm. I was like, I was really, really genuinely impressed. And I, yeah, I don't care what anybody says. I thought they were dumb too, but they're not. They're really <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm excited to. I think Fender's sending me a a Pro Jazzmaster soon. Uh, oh, and I haven't played that yet, and so I'm excited to play it. And it's going to be Surf Green, which I don't own anything like that, so it'll be awesome. I've heard those are really nice. I've heard yeah, very good things. Yeah. I, I'd like to in the next year. So I've never owned a P90 guitar. Um oh. I would I think I want to go for a Les Paul Jr. Mm-hmm. Find the right one. And uh I don't know. Just like searching for some some new textures. So that'll be pretty sweet. You definitely need a Les Paul Jr. I'm a big, big, big big fan of the Les Paul Jr. (laughs) I love it. Totally. I keep mine parked in D standard uh, and do and do the the Mike Ness capo up thing when I want to play standard. And I thought that that was, you know, just a bunch of shenanigans. But there's something to it. Really? I I beat it back and forth with like regular standard tuning. And then and the best thing I can come up with is it changed. It shortens the scale length. And that's why it sounds different. Yeah. I I don't know why else it would sound different, but it does. And it also sounds, they sound really good in D standard. So that's, that's awesome. where, where I leave mine now. Well, I'll try that out. When definitely. I definitely. Do. Les Paul Jr. You looking at vintage ones or, I mean, yeah. you really can't go wrong. I think so. Like, yeah, I, the, I've never played a new one. Are they making those now? They've had, a few times throughout the years, they've had some new ones. Cool. I don't know what the current lineup looks like. Yeah, I just like Gibson World is a little bit foreign to me. Um, I when I first started, I was really dead set on getting like an ES three thirty five, and what was the stereo one? I almost got one of those. Um, I know what you're talking about. Thirty. I can't remember the number. Anyways, and then then I got into like Guild Starfires. I think that's what they are. Um, but I never bought one i just the starcaster was the first like semi hollow body that i got and i fell in love with it um but yeah like i think the ones that i have played that have spoken to me at like some of my favorite guitar shops are late 60s early 70s 
So very cool. Yeah, very the cool. next they the next vary so much, but uh, I love awesome. the big the big ones. I I'm a weird person. I have small like not small, I guess. I have short fingers. And for some reason I like big necks. I don't know why. It doesn't I shouldn't. I should like smaller necks. But yeah. I like big ones. I don't know why. Can't figure it out. Hmm. Baseball bat necks. I had a, fe- a fender no caster and it was too big for my hands. I have baby hands. I love the no caster. Oh man. I love guitars. They're so wonderful. Aren't they? So you you're a big fan of the wide range humbuckers as well then. I've got a, a Tele Custom, 74 Tele Custom, and that was my first foray into that. And I was like, these are some of the best pickups. Why Why doesn't everyone talk about these? Like, they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. They just are. Yeah. And there's nothing that sounds like I'm, like, I, yeah. Uh, on the Starcaster that I have them in, like, I just, I'm, I love when you just get natural grit out of a pickup that doesn't sound harsh. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of like, you know, lead solos are taken with that, with that guitar because they're not harsh where, you know, you can get a certain iciness from, from the single coil. Sometimes it just don't work and they don't have enough sustain and you're just fighting to get a wider sound. It's like, well, I might as just, might as well play the Starcaster. Yeah. So, and then I just love that like compression you get when you go flip over to the, the neck pickup, but you can still hear like not you know single coil definition of notes but just like enough to get you through it and like have a sweet rhythm sounding guitar they're amazing i i have some in my i have a guitar made by kevin equitz called the rayburn and it's a dual humbucker guitar Um, but i have these righteous sound galaxies in it Mm -hmm. and they are regular humbucker sized uh wide rangers and they're also they also have coil tap, and I don't normally really like coil tap that much. I don't. I haven't found a ton that I think sounds that great, but these sound really great. That's they sound cool. like a tele. I know, no, I know nothing of the coil tap world, but sounds cool. Yeah, I was really. I was like, let's try it and see what happens because why not? And yeah, once once we tapped them, I was like, this sounds like a Telecaster. Like surprisingly, hmm. like usually they kind of sound just like. Like a weak humbucker. <laughs> like, uh, that just doesn't, that doesn't sound good. Let's huh. not split it anymore. But those ones worked well. That's awesome. I don't know if there's that many four conductor coil tap, coil tappable wide rangers out there, but I know that those ones are for the listeners who might be curious about that. Let's see. What else do we got here? We've talked, we went through the pedals. We know you're playing Benson's. Do you have any other amps that you? that you love deeply and with all your heart? Uh, so I have a Supro, the 15-inch speaker. It was meant to be a bass amp. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't, the name of it is not in my head right now. Is it the Thunderbolt? But it was like, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. And it was like the, I think Led Zeppelin used to use it on bass. But it's pretty sweet. It's limited because the speaker cab is like set right up against the grill. And mm-hmm. then you put too much, it's funny, it's like meant for bass, but you put too much low end and you just get a bad rattle. I'm sure I could probably fix that somehow. But it, it has a sound unlike anything else I own. Um, the super sound is pretty specific. So that one's awesome. I love amps that are just volume tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I 
honestly, what else do I have? A Vox AC30 um, greenbacks hand-wired from the 90s. It's awesome. It does its thing. It does that Vox thing. Not for everything, but fantastic when you want something punchy and chimey. Um, I love, love, love my 1972 B15. I love playing bass. Um, A lot of people don't know that I play bass and I love playing on people's records. Um, And I'm totally a guitar bass player. But <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Like I wouldn't be hired for like fingerstyle Motown stuff. But uh Justin Melda Johnson is one of my favorite bass players. I learned a lot from him. Uh and yeah, that I wouldn't trade that thing for the world. It's so amazing. What else do I have in here? I'm looking around. I have like multiple Bensons. Um I think that's it. Like, like I said, I when I find stuff that I like, I'm not, I'm not a gear hoarder. I have stuff that I use and I love. Um, and you know, when like for this last record we did, I got a couple of other tools. Like I brought in like a, what are they? The um the chorus amps, the jazz chorus. Uh, the JC one twenties. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I got. Um, and use those for songs like lightning bolts and I think people come, people go, then just use the chorus on the amp and those sounds so sweet. Um, I've never been a Marshall person, don't know anything about it. I actually just talked to Benson about maybe like picking up anything junior because I need a smaller recording amp. Um, and I don't have anything like the old vintage, you know, Fender Tweed, Fender Champs or anything like that. I mostly have higher 15 and up wattage amps. So the Nathan Jr. is kind of, uh, it's surprisingly, it, it feels like a big amp. Yeah. Um, it, it, uh, I was really surprised at how beefy and full it is for being a smaller amp like it. I, I was really impressed with it. But there we go, talking about Chris again, fanboying about Chris like I do on half the episodes. <laughs> Before I get too sidetracked, because I was going to ask you some other stuff, I totally spaced that I told the Facebook group that you were coming, and I have questions from the group. So I oh, better, fantastic! I better get into that. I I almost completely forgotten they would have been Facebook mad. question away. All right, let's see. What do we have? Um, let's see. Sorry, scrolling through. I got to find a good. Uh, there's a there's a very you know resounding uh or i guess not resounding what's the word reoccurring that's the word i'm looking for resounding and reoccurring theme yes yes theme of like i really like her tell her that she's so good that's (laughs) there's like four i love that just simple you got the message across i Mm -hmm. hear you and i'm grateful thanks yes so but here's a here's we've kind of touched on this a little bit when we were talking about you know finding tones and whatever but mm-hmm. uh jesse emery says i would lo- i'd love to know more about her songwriting process i love every guitar part on every song that's excellent thank you all right songwriting process i don't have a formula i don't have one certain way often in my writing process it comes from a myriad of things like collecting uh 
themes in my journal, um, noticing, highlighting, uh, actually I was just reading that, that Jeff Tweedy book, which I love. It's like how to write one song. A lot of mm-hmm. the things I was already employing, I don't want to give his book away and spoil his exercises, but I was already using a lot of those things. And then so many helpful things like as a buffer for the parts where I feel like I'm not as good at those exercises in the books are so good, but, um, I do, I, I'm a collector. I love just like recording little snippets on my iPhone, coming back to them. But really for me, songs aren't necessarily part driven. Like the core of the song has to be there. Then my brain opens up to like, okay, how do I take this thing that I wrote on piano? That's pretty basic quarterly and open it up to where you would never know that it started on piano. And I have a production mindset like uh, constantly as I'm writing where it's like, where's the sparkle in the song? Where's the low end sitting? Where? So it's, I don't know, whatever. My brain goes a million different ways. Once the song is there, it's so fun for me to explore. And sometimes a song is written by like a, a lead line. Like, for example, uh, the song Wide Awake, which is one of our most like guitar jam songs. Uh it was just Peter and I playing downstairs. I was on bass and he was on drums. And I just had that. So very lead driven part. And, uh, and then it was, I think our, the guy that produced uh, Secrets, that record, Luke Vanderpool, he was like, what if you started the song with like a three minute guitar solo? And I was like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. I'd never done that before. And it felt like a little bit like, what's uh, gratuitous i don't know i was just like i don't want it to come off as like oh look at me i think i could just start off this song with a soul but then it was i got confident i was like you know what who cares i've never done this before let's try it and i don't know it's pretty unique in the catalog but that was a riff driven song it didn't have a core you know to it besides just that so there's just so many ways that songs come about but uh mostly they get finished by deadlines and discipline (laughs) Which is a, yeah, something we touched on earlier. Very totally. nice. Um, Rick Calhoun, who's been on the podcast before, makes awesome picks. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah, he says, with 2020 being a complete downer, was she inspired to write new music or has it been a struggle? I would say that I was inspired through all the pivoting that we had to do in the midst of getting ready to put out a record. Because when 2020 first hit, we weren't sure if it was going to come out this year. And then the pandemic happened. And then we really weren't sure if it was going to come out. But then once we committed to that thing, it was just like, okay, got to point all our arrows to figure out how the hell are we going to do this in a creative way when we can't tour, which is such a huge part of this band and how we get new people to hear our music. So a lot of creative energy was spent on that. And not necessarily in writing because I really didn't know how to do both at the same time because we were doing live streams and stay home stems and making music videos on a like penny budget, you know, just like doing all this stuff, learning how to video edit. I made a lyric video with Peter where I tabbed out everything live in time during the guitar solo. Just learned a bunch of new things. And so our creative energy was very heavily spent, but in different areas. Okay. And now I would say I like we are on like a songwriting frenzy. Like I can't 
I'm so, so excited about what we've been working on. And, you know, we're a little bit past the release now and we're still focusing on like getting the word out about Impossible Weight and still promoting this record. But, you know, what? what is like inspiring to me right now is just like running with the creative energy I have towards songwriting and then also collaborating with a lot of people. So I think this year is going to be marked by you know, a few covers, maybe a few singles, maybe working with other people. Um, I'd love to songwrite with other people for their projects. I'm just like, I feel very free right now. So yeah, that's nice. My answer. That's awesome. So next question, we got Jacob McKenna. He says, if you, if she could do a signature model of guitar, mm-hmm. what, who, and all that is what he said. <laughs> Who and all that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the easy answer would be with Fender. Right. Um, But I would never have the gall to to just assume that they would want to do a signature model with me. But if, let's just say, they did approach me, um, I, gosh, I don't know. I I honestly don't even know if I'd want a signature model on guitar. Interesting. I love that people associate me with jazz masters. That's great. That's not the only guitar I use. I, I think the only thing I'd be specific about would be like the pickups. Maybe <laughs> like mm-hmm. I know St. Vincent came out with like a very specific body style and that guitar is great. And like, uh, I don't envision that kind of stuff when I play the guitar, like, Oh, I, you know, I wish I'm just like, can it be light and <laughs> like for touring purposes right. and can it be like i don't know it, it depends like some people love really multifunctional guitars and some people like really specific narrow this is what it does and it's like this is my thing and i think i'm more on the latter end of just like i like specific purposes for something and then you know like maybe when i explore into gibson world and p90s Maybe I'll have a different answer. Maybe I'll want to do a signature guitar with them. I don't know. But I honestly, I think there's more room for that in the pedal world for 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 what I think about. Yeah, that makes sense. It's and it's also, you know, when you when you have a signature guitar, I feel like there might be a certain amount of pressure that that's like what you play all the time. Yeah. I, you know? the more and I wouldn't like it, that. Just, I'm not actually that interested in a signature guitar. And and, and again, it's like I'm answering your question, not assuming that anybody would approach me to do one. Um, I think there's, the thing about... people that work at Fender that listen to this show. So sure. who knows? <laughs> like, <laughs> Martin, me, you hear uh, that? Yeah, hello. <laughs> um, no, I think like, you know, I, I don't, I haven't talked about this a lot, but my guitar playing, like I, I don't, I don't consider like I think in the same way when I played with Beck, I was I knew I wasn't a session musician. I was not a, like someone that could just show up. I don't. It depends on what your definition of shred is, I guess. But like I can't do sweeps. I'm not the traditional guitar player that can just bust out any riff you could think of and am super fast in my picking hand and all these like I write songs and so oftentimes people ask me to do like these gear demos and I'm like uh, I'll like play a riff from my song but I'm not the person that can just like a Blake Mills I can sit down and play these beautiful songs and be super impressive and he's also an insane songwriter 
But I, I think sometimes I feel insecure about about that part of it. Not like uh, that I don't think I'm a good guitar player. I'm confident in that. But there's a specific type of guitar player in the guitar playing gear world that, is, like, you know, I, I've read some of the comments on Premier Guitar where it's like, oh, you know, she considered she's considered to be a guitar player, and it's just like, a, shut up, um, and b, uh, yeah, I am a guitar player. I don't play like that person, but sorry not sorry you know <laughs> uh, i do my Where'll own they thing. hear my playing they'll, they'll really question <laughs> <laughs> no i do my own thing and like i'm not concerned about technique and like i think sometimes when i think about having like a signature guitar or I, I don't know i just think there's a lot of pressure that comes with that but but then again i play the elvis costello he wasn't known for being an insane guitar player like in terms of like studio musician chops he was an artist and a songwriter so i i think i just maybe i just needed to get that tidbit of information out that i just said but maybe i don't know what i'm talking about maybe I, sure i'll take a signature guitar <laughs> sounds awesome let's go let's do it come on come on fender let's do it let's do it you guys heard it here first all right <laughs> i think uh i think that'll probably be well yeah, that'll probably be too long of a thing. We need to start wrapping this up. But I do have a, a few classic questions to end on. Great. But before we do that, this is your chance to like put up a billboard. You can say whatever you want to say. You can, you know, tell people where to find your music, tell your awesome. mom that you love her or whatever you need to say. This is your time to shine. Fantastic. Oh, I love this. Okay, I'm free. Let's go. All right. So if you are tuning in and never have never heard about me or my band Deep Sea Diver and would like to check it out. We did just release a record in October of last year, 2020, and it's called Impossible Wait. You can find, um, I think by the time this comes out, when is this coming out? Uh, Monday, actually. Okay, cool. So we're going to be having some new things pretty soon in the Bandcamp store for vinyl, but um, you can find uh, it on vinyl, CD, whatever you want but that's on our being camp store um and there's some fun stuff coming out uh with benson a couple things uh just filmed uh i don't know what i can say about it of these two things but keep your eyes peeled follow benson if you don't already on his socials and i'm very specifically excited about something that's going to be coming out i think later this year but I uh, can't talk too much about it, but it sounds amazing. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. Um, all right. Well, here come the last two questions. The first Sweet. one is pretty easy. So let's go. What is your favorite boss pedal? My favorite boss pedal is probably, gosh, the tuner. Just kidding. <laughs> it's so awesome. I get that a lot, actually. Uh, yeah. I actually don't. Wow. I like, I don't have that many boss pedals. I really, I love like the classic. I have a DD7. Mm -hmm. I love those delays. They're awesome. They are. And they're so, I, I would use it for the longest time just to like write with the loop function. But I, I love that. And I do love the just old school compression pedal what is it the c3 or whatever the one nels has um it's noisy but who cares it's great it does what it needs to do people need to embrace the noise yeah. i love noise i don't even like i'm a i may be a little bit too noise tolerant i hear people all the time they're like 
how noisy is that pedal when they're asking for my opinion? I'm like, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. I'm usually right. pummeling things with so much fuzz that there's going to be noise, even if it's a completely silent pedal. So sure, totally. You know, who knows? But uh, good answers. Good answers all around. Thank you. All right. Here's the last one. This is the one that where it gets a little bit dicey, a little bit controversial. Um, <laughs> families have been broken up over. We talking this. politics? What's happening? It's even worse than that. So here we go. Wow. What kind of pizza do you like? Oh my gosh! Give me a Domino's medium pan pizza. Well done. You got to put that in the instructions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want pepperoni and jalapenos on one side i want bacon not canadian like not the ham i want bacon and pineapple they it gets delivered i put little mama's peppers on it little mama's rules yep side of ranch gotta get that Mm, Um, hold on okay and then (laughs) a little bit of honey plus some uh cholula or tapatio I'm off to the races. I eat half the pizza. Peter eats the other half. It's great. This is a, this is like a mixture of things that I love and things that I hate. This is this is this is. A, I've never been more confused about a pizza in my entire life. Mm. <laughs> it's fantastic. I like. I'm not saying that's like my. I, that's the easy, e- most easily accessible pizza I can get. I have other favorite pizzas like in New York or whatever. But like that well, let's Domino's. Talk about that. I love New York. Tell me, tell me your favorite New York. There's the well, I think it's a nostalgic reason why I love this, but we always stayed at the same Airbnb when we would play, like we played Rough Trade or something like that. And there's this pizza place like right off of Bedford Ave. And I think fourth, I don't even know what it's called, but I think it's comfort to me of being on tour and going to the same place. But it's New York style pizza and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love I love New York pizza. I thought it was all me just too. kind of a kind of a myth before I actually went there. Yeah. And ate it. And I was like, oh. The no. pizza and the bagels. I'm all about it. I yes. don't really love deep dish. So is that the divisive thing? No, no, it's it's the pe- it's the pineapple in the ranch. That's that's where I'm like, I just don't know what to do with that information. But yeah. mama's little peppers and the Cholula, like all that. Does that like, kind of even it out? It kind of like, yeah. I'm like, okay, like these these are things that I love, but I, I really can't do the ranch. Were you happy that I was so ready to talk about Domino's? Is that who's sponsoring the show today? I wish. I've been trying to get them to sponsor the show, but no one will return my emails. So I guess mm. they don't want to. I don't, under- I don't understand. Start a Twitter, uh, social media battle, and then maybe they'll come on board. I think Domino's, honestly, like Domino's is the best at least from what I've had. The delivery? Best, well, maybe not necessarily the best delivery, but the best chain yeah. like style pizza like that. I they didn't used to be. No, maybe. something happened. I swear. It's like around the same time that like they put those those silly ovens in their cars, like when mm-hmm. they deliver. Um it's so dorky. But like uh yeah, no, Papa John's, stay away. Little I've Caesars, never had Papa uh-uh. John's. Never had pizza it. Hut, Never really liked the consistency of the oily crust. Domino stepped it up. I thank you for that. Amen. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny because I remember it was like, I don't know, maybe it's probably longer ago now in my head, but it was like maybe eight years ago or so. They had this big advertising campaign that where they were like, we heard you. Our pizza sucks. 
So That's we've so changed smart. it. <laughs> so smart. It's like, and they really did. They really, they did a good job. They completely changed it. Mm. Their pizza used to really suck, really bad. Wow. So. Is it terrible that we're talking more excitedly about pet about pizza than? the pedals and guitars that we were talking about no that's normal that's very like normal we hit a new arc in the podcast and we're ending now so well we're ending for the main episode but boy we still got patreon to do so we're we're in luck we can continue this conversation <laughs> <laughs> this passionate passionate conversation and Fantastic. i actually have some, some other things i wanted to ask you so that'll be Great. perfect awesome all right let's wrap this thing up for Jessica, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, we did it. There we go. Another episode in the can. Thank you very much for tuning in. And if you haven't heard Jessica's music, please go treat yourself and do it. And if you would like more of this conversation, we've got extra on Patreon. Oh, yeah, we get into it. We had a lot of fun over there, and there are a ton, and I mean a ton, of extra episodes over there if you just need more of this chatter in your ears and you want to help literally keep the lights on here i would really appreciate it for five bucks a month you get extra episodes delivered to your ears every week thank you so much i really appreciate all of you let's see i feel like i have a few other things to talk about oh yes i'm working on my album and as a lot of you who are texting with me know and follow on the socials. I actually came up with a name for my musical endeavors this week, this weekend, whenever I did it. I'm calling it American Cyclops. You can follow on Instagram for now. I'm going to have a website and all that coming soon. It's weird, theatrical, ambient, strange, instrumental stuff. And uh, that's the best I can describe it. That's what's coming out of me right now. So why not? If you would like to join in on that text chat, it's just a conversation between yourself and myself, and that information does not get shared with anyone else. And if you ever get tired of hearing from me, you just text STOP and you'll be removed. But in the meantime, if you want to talk about music, if you want to talk about music business, creative endeavors, food, really anything, there are well over 100 people that have joined me over there and I'm replying to everybody. So 503 751-8577 is the number for that. You'll get a few automated texts saying, do you want to be in on this? And then after that, everything comes right from my thumbs. It really is me. No one else is involved. No one else sees it. It's all me all the time, baby. So yeah, that's uh, probably it for this week. I will talk to you next time with another juicy episode. Have a good one. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you, that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time.
We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. 